Hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, as Emma and John said, my name is Lois. Um, and today I am going to be talking to you about Advent. Um, and Advent is actually in full swing, as Emma explained to us. We're actually on the second Sunday of Advent. So hopefully you are fully into your Advent calendars, eating that chocolate. There are all kinds of wild Advent calendars out there these days. I actually heard of one that has a mince pie behind each and every door. Yes, Emma, exactly. Um, and it leads up to a Christmas cake on Christmas Day. I know, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, so hopefully you are fully in the flow of your advent calendar. And although some of the ideas around them are getting a bit wild, what I think all of these advent calendars do is really capture the essence um, of that anticipation and that build-up that Emma so beautifully told us earlier is what Advent is all about. It is about um, the people of God waiting for the arrival of the moment, the arrival of Jesus. And just for anybody who doesn't know, maybe you haven't grown up in church or haven't even really grown up in a church um, that talks much about Advent like I did actually, um, Advent is part of the church calendar, um, which is basically the basic idea around that is the church ordering time, ordering the calendar around the story of our faith, around the gospel. And so we get to kind of step in um, into the story of the gospel as part of our time. And Advent itself, the word comes from the, the Latin word, which means coming or arrival. And so it's all about this time of preparation and anticipation for the moment of Jesus coming to the earth. And so we are just going to spend a little bit of time kind of stepping into that story, uh, looking back um, at the people of God who were waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And so the starting point for us um, as we look back is actually right back at the beginning of the Bible, right back to the book of Genesis. And we see God clearly speaking to Abraham about a promise. Now, Abraham was someone who God called to leave his home um, and to follow him, basically. And um, in Genesis chapter 12, we see um, God speaking this promise to Abraham. And so I'm just going to read from verses two to three, where God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here's the clincher. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So essentially, God was making a promise to Abraham that actually the whole of humanity would be blessed through Abraham's family line. And the, the full meaning of that might have been hidden from Abraham at the time. But we now know that there there was God pointing towards something that was coming, a blessing for all of humanity. And then we fast forward um, to about 700 years before the arrival of Jesus. And yet the promise has not yet come to fruition. But God is still, still speaking through his people to his people about this blessing. And we see in Isaiah, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll see um, that we were talking about um, the prophecy from Isaiah 61. Um, but God also spoke through the prophet Isaiah to talk more about this promise. And in Isaiah 7 verse 14, these words were spoken. 
we, we read these words spoken in the Bible. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And even more than that, in Isaiah 9, from verses one to six, we read these incredible words. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness had seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So here again, we see God revealing even more about this promise, even more about this person who was coming. This blessing that was going to come through Abraham's line uh, was now being described as this incredible promise of a dawning light that was going to come against the darkness. This child who was going to establish a kingdom of peace, of righteousness and justice. But then there was even more waiting and, and the people were still waiting to see this promise fulfilled. And during that time, um, things weren't hunky-dory. They were going through a period of incredible oppression. They went into exile. There was a time of Persian rule, Greek rule, and finally uh, Roman occupation. So they were still waiting for this promise. And then we zoom in, we're told in Matthew chapter one about a man named Joseph, who was indeed a direct descendant of Abraham. And um, we're told that in, Ma in Matthew chapter one. And also in Matthew, we're told that he's visited by an angel. And the angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So not only would God bring blessing uh, through Abraham's line to the whole world, but that darkness that had been spoken of in Isaiah, that darkness we see here was actually about sin and the release that was coming for all of humanity was a release from sin. And this child that Mary was about to conceive would be the king who would secure that forever for all of humanity. And so we see that throughout scripture, this promise had always been pointing to Jesus Christ. And so as we look back, we it's it's you know, this isn't just about nostalgia. What does that mean for us right now in 2020? 
And the reality is that Advent isn't just about looking back with nostalgia. It's all about looking back in order to actually look forward. Because as we anticipate the coming of Jesus, that first arrival of Jesus, we're also looking forward to his promise that he will come again. Because in the closing of scripture, we read these words in Revelation 21 verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the beautiful Jerusalem coming down out of, uh, sorry, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell among them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then if you scroll forward to the final page of the Bible, to Revelation 22, we hear Jesus saying over and over again, I am coming soon. And the reality is actually for us, we are once again in the midst of a wait. We are the people, just like the, as we're told in the Bible, are people who are caught actually between a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And I believe actually what Advent reminds us that we can hold on to right now is that when you're a people caught between the promise and the fulfillment of promise and that promise maker is God, you're actually on to a sure thing. It's really interesting that the word Advent for me, I've always associated it with waiting and obviously it is about that. But the word Advent actually is relates to the word arrival. It's about a certainty of a coming. And that's the God who, who speaks, who makes this promise. He who speaks, his, his promises are certain. He's the one who said it, so it will be so. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of how much time has lapsed, if he said it, it will be so. And whether they realised it or not, the fulfilment of the promise that God had been speaking to his people about throughout history was always directed to the person of Jesus. God in heart carnate, humanity's hope has always been in that person. And this isn't the same as optimism. We're not waiting for Jesus's second coming with our fingers crossed, just hoping for the best. Our hope is based in the person of Jesus, the God who does not fail. The God whose character is fixed and whose intention towards the world is fixed. And I think we, we do know this in our kind of everyday lives that someone's past behaviour is going to motivate how much faith they're in. I'm sure we all know people, maybe you are one of those people who, you know, you'll, you'll make a plan, say we'll meet in King's Cross outside on other stories at 1pm. And we all have those friends, don't we, who by quarter past one, they're not there. And whether or not you're worried, you're going to base that on their past behaviour. If it's someone that you know who's always on time, I'm thinking about someone like you, Emma Heddle, <laughs> always on time, you're going to start to worry. But actually, if it's quarter past one and actually you know your friend is always late, you're just going to be like, actually, that's just how they roll. I'll just keep waiting. 
And I think that Advent teaches us that we can wait with anticipation of Jesus's second coming of something to be sure and certain, because we know that actually this is how God rolls. He always delivers on his promises. When he says he's coming back, he will come back. When he says he's going to make all things new, he will certainly make all things new. When he says he's going to bring about a kingdom of no more death to wipe away every tear from our eyes, he will do that. And as I was actually um, preparing this talk, a story of my own waiting around Christmas came to mind that I would love to share with you just after I have a drink. My mouth's going a little bit dry. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so um, the background is I'm actually a Christmas baby, well, a post-Christmas baby, really. Um, it's my birthday on the 30th of December. And so growing up, I actually hated having a birthday around Christmas because I felt like I spent the whole year waiting to be showered with gifts and attention. And um, I looked at my older sister whose birthday was in June and she, you know, she, I always felt like she had two moments in the year um, to receive all the love, but I only had one. And so basically, Christmas was a time of real expectation for me in terms of gifts. And I remember one particular year, it was 1996, and um, we'd moved to a brand new house and um, we had this um, really big garden and lots of outdoor space. And my sisters and I decided that what we really, really wanted this year was bikes were bikes for Christmas. Um, and we made this known to our parents. Um, <laughs> And so Christmas came round and um, we all went downstairs for present time. And there was this one big box downstairs addressed to my older sister, Phoebe. And um, she tore it open and you guessed it, it was a bike. Um, but there was no bike for my sister Rhoda and there was no bike, and more importantly, for me. But you know what, I was at that point, I was like, it's all good. My birthday's coming. I'm sure I will get a bike later on. It's all good. No sweat. Happy for you, Phoebes. Um, and then the next day, obviously, is Boxing Day. And actually, Boxing Day is my younger sister, Rhoda's birthday. Um, so we all went downstairs for present time. Um, and as you can imagine, as you can probably guess, um, big box downstairs, um, addressed to Rhoda. She tears it open. And yes, you guessed it. It's a bike. And again, I was, you know, at that point, I was also like, Yes, Rhodes, happy for you. It's my birthday coming soon. I'm sure I will be getting a bike. Um, but um, in between uh, the 27th and the 30th of December, something inside me switched. And I honestly remember just being so jealous, like looking at my sister's bikes and just being like so angry and so upset and just yeah, so jealous. Could not be happy for them when they wanted to like go and play their bikes with their bikes. Although now I do think that was slightly insensitive, but I was just <laughs> devastated. I just totally lost sight of my birthday. And finally, 30th of December came round and present time happened, went downstairs and you guessed it, big box downstairs addressed to me, opened it up and I had my bike and my dreams came true that Christmas. But um, as I was reminded that, of that story, I was, I was just thinking about how bizarre it was um, that in, in those days in between um, Boxing Day and my birthday, I just totally lost sight of, um, of the fact that my parents loved me, that actually all the vital signs were actually pointing to the fact that bikes were being given this Christmas. And I was just filled with jealousy. 
And actually, I should have been living my best life in those days. I should have been planning the trips I was going to go on. I should have been excited for, you know, the helmet I was going to wear, all that stuff. Because actually, all, yeah, everything was pointing to the fact that I was going to get a bike that Christmas. My fate was sealed. My parents loved me and their track record was showing that they were bike givers. And I wonder for us, even though that's a really silly anecdote, I wonder whether us actually for in this period of Advent, God wants to remind each and every one of us of his track record of fulfilling him, fulfilling his promises and reminding us of the hope that we have in Jesus. That in the coming and arriving of Jesus, we see this revelation of a God who delivers on his promises and who is um, totally able to take the weight of our hope and our expectation. And we can look forward actually to the with full expectation to the coming, the, the second coming of Jesus, the time when he is going to make all things new. And I wonder whether he would yeah, invite us again to place our hope in him afresh. And um, I, yeah, we're, I think we're all very aware that this year has been a big one for so many of us. Um, and so aware that actually that, that picture of the darkness um, from Isaiah, of the people walking in darkness, we need the light, don't we? The world needs the light. And I'm just going to end with this. Um, and I just, yeah, just want to say if actually you're coming to the end of this year and you actually feel like hope in Jesus is maybe the furthest thing from your mind, that all the circumstances um, have just made you question whether actually you can place your hope in him. Um, because, yeah, the reality is this year has been you know, for some, for some um, challenging um, and for some all the way to like completely devastating and everything in between, really. And as I said earlier, that um, Advent has as part of its tradition is looking at the people who've been waiting for Jesus's arrival. And one of those people is actually John the Baptist and his role in, in um, playing as a forerunner to Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. And there's just one little interaction in the Bible that I just wanted to highlight um, to, to you all to end. And so we're told in Luke chapter seven that John the Baptist sends some messengers to Jesus. Um, and in verse 19, we read that the message that he wants to send them is, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Um, and the thing to say at this time is that John isn't in a good way. He's in prison. Um, and is clearly wondering, actually, is Jesus the one? Should I actually be placing my hope elsewhere? And what Jesus says to him, or says to the messengers through him, is to go and report back to John what you have seen. He says to him, he says to them that the blind have received their sight, that the lame are walking, that the dead are raised and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. And Jesus's words are echoing the words of the prophets. Um, and um, what he wants John to know is that actually he is fulfilling those promises right now. But what I love um, is that not only does Jesus point to himself um, for John to put his hope in, but once the messengers leaves, we read that Jesus turns to the crowd and gives this absolute affirmation of praise for John the Baptist. He says in verse 26 that this man is more than a prophet and there's no one like John the Baptist. 
There are no words of scathing. There are no words of like, your role is to, meant to be the forerunner to me. If you haven't got faith, where's, you know, what's, what's everyone else supposed to think? There's none of that. All we read is Jesus pointing to John and affirming his role to the crowd, affirming who he is to the crowd. And I just want to say to you that if as you're coming to the end of 2020, that you're actually asking a very similar question to John the Baptist. I just want to remind you and encourage you um, that Jesus is fully able to take the weight of those questions. And as you, I would encourage you to open yourself to him, to lay those questions before him and all the circumstances of this year. I'd invite you to take those to Jesus take those questions to Jesus. Um, and I know, I believe that he will teach you to put, put your hope in him again and will be full of compassion. So if that's you, I'd really encourage you to do that. And so, yeah, for, for us all, as we come to this time of Advent, I, I would encourage you to take hold of, um, yeah, the, the encouragement of this period to place our hope in Jesus um, and to know that that is a sure thing and to look with anticipation um, as, we, as we celebrate Christmas for the coming the, of Jesus, um, which is a certain and secure thing. Um, and I, yeah, I was just reminded of the um, Christmas carol, um, the song, um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which has this refrain that goes throughout it. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. We get to rejoice in this moment, not because our circumstances may be wonderful, but because we know that our God is going to do what he has promised.